started this series and we are on number three, fruitfulness through death. This is our theme today, fruitfulness through death. We have been looking at fruitfulness by sanctification. We looked at the Spirit of God giving us access to fruitfulness. We have looked at knowledge. We are, last week we looked at wisdom and understanding. Today being a special Easter Sunday, we are looking at a slightly uh, uh, tangent of the topics in the series as it were, but still contributing to what we are saying. Fruitfulness through death. Next week, we'll look at fruitfulness through the spirit of counsel. And um, I want to just quickly say to us that everything that we should learn about Easter is the fact that Jesus taught us, he taught his disciples about the principle of fruitfulness through death. You see, we must understand what Christianity really is and what Jesus himself said about the faith. John chapter 12 from verse 23 John 12 from verse 23. The Bible says, but Jesus answered. Thank you for the banner. Thank you. Let's read together, everybody. But Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24 says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it produces much grain. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, unless it falls into the ground and dies. And then verse 25, it says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He who is ready to die, who is ready to fall to the ground and die. Let's read verse 26 together, everybody. If anyone serves me, verse 26, let's go. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. The command, the, the, the access to honor is simply serving. Serve Christ. He said, anyone serves me, my father will honor. And we know he cannot lie. Jesus' death and resurrection was the epitome of representing fruitfulness through death. And I'm going to just help us to see today as believers in Christ that when we celebrate Easter, it should be an opportunity for us to reflect and see how much we are conforming to the pattern that the one we celebrate laid down for us. Look at his life just before he went to the cross or just before he, sorry, just before he gave up his spirit on the cross. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, from verse 50. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, so please just come along very quickly and you can write down so that you can follow very well. It said, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from into two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Verse 52. And the graves were opened. And many bodies, somebody say many bodies. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. There are so many schools of thoughts about who these people were, whether it is everyone that had died before that time or some of them and so on and so forth. But the key thing here is Matthew was very clever to recall that the veil was torn into two and graves were opened and many bodies of the saints. Because one man gave his life. One man said it is finished. One man decided that enough is enough for sin to mankind. And as soon as he gave up his spirit, the Bible says graves were opened. 
It simply means every time we continue to celebrate the giving up of his spirit like we did on Friday and we celebrate his resurrection again, graves continue to be opened. I say graves will continue to be opened in the name of Jesus. He said, and coming out of the graves, verse 53, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, there is a school of thought that said, you know, when Mary Magdalene saw him on the resurrection day and he said, don't touch me, for I've not been to the Father. There is a school of thought that said he took those people to the Father at that point. Now, God knows everything, but the key thing is the fact that people rose from the grave. And we all know very well that the resurrection power, Jesus said, he is the resurrection and the life. He said, anyone that believes in me, even though he was dead, he shall live again. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 28. Now on the resurrection day, verse 1. After the Sabbath, after the first day, Matthew 28 verse 1. Of the week began to dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Let's go straight to verse 5. I'm reading Matthew 28 now, verse 5. But the angel said, answered and said to the women, verse 5. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6. Let's read verse 6 together one more time. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come and see where the Lord lay. He is not here. Don't look for him where he is not, because he is risen. I say he is risen in the mighty name of Jesus. This simply means you should stop looking for the word dead in a situation that looks dead. See the word quickened. See the word alive. What do I mean by that? When you are praying over a situation of life, a situation of challenge that looks like deadness, that looks like death, don't quote the word looking at the deadness in the physical. Quote the word, stand on the word of God, seeing the resurrection power coming through for you in that situation. Hallelujah. This is why the Bible says concerning Abraham that Abraham knew that he had a God that quickens the dead. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. And he calls those things that be not as though they were. No wonder he was in a league all by himself. Ready to sacrifice the promised child because he knows that either way, as God has already ordained that he was going to be the promised child, he is the promised child, he was going to be the child of the covenant, that either way, God was either going to raise him again or God was going to make available his spirit somehow. This is why he had no concern whatsoever to lift up his hand and God now withheld his hand from slaughtering the child. We need to move our faith to understand that resurrection power is not just to sing songs and appreciate that Christ rose again, but to understand that till we see him again, that power is still at work. I said that power is still at work. It is quickening your mortal body, quickening your mind, sharpening you, helping you to be the Christian and the light to the world that you ought to be. I pray that it continues to be in your life in Jesus' name. And then Jesus said in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And verse, 20, verse 19, let's read together. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Whether you see me or not, I am with you. This is what he says. Now, I know you know these verses and we talk about them being the great commission, but I want us to know that it is as a result of his death and resurrection. Jesus never gave the global commission to go and preach the gospel to all nations until he paid the price for you and I and for those that we are supposed to reach out to, to by his own blood. When he rose, what happened is that he declared fruitfulness. He declared fruitfulness upon those who have already received him. This is why when he eventually ascended in Acts chapter 1, he said to them that there is going to be something that would trigger what I've said. I'm expanding, but this is what it is in context. You go to Jerusalem and tarry there and wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, you shall receive power and then you will be able to witness as I have said. So what every one of us must understand is since the day of Pentecost, a higher dimension of power has been released to every believer. We don't need to recreate Pentecost again. Many years ago, we thought we had to. So we will lock ourselves up and pray and pray and pray and say, Holy Ghost fire, come on us, come on us. It is already here. We just need faith to walk in it, to understand that it is already available. And as many that receives him now, he gives them what? Power to become the sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. So every one of us must understand this. But I want us to look at it very well. Matthew 28, 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples. Make followers. For many years, our world has been making converts. Our, years, our, our world for many years has been making people who are not disciples, but people who identify. We have been making religious folk. We have been producing all kinds of things that is very different. Jesus said, make disciples, make followers, make those ones who will believe what I have said to you that you have believed and then be in a position of maturity and seriousness to commit to others also to believe what you have said to them and they have believed. And those are the true disciples. Friends, the call to discipleship is a call to die to self. It's not a call to funfair. It's not a call to religion. It's not a call to some kind of intellectual gathering. It is a call to die to self. And until the church goes back to understand that a disciple is somebody who has died to self and continues to die to self till Jesus comes. Until we come to that level and that grace, we find the things that continue to plague our society and particularly the body of Christ today continuing to thrive simply because we have too many people who are still alive to themselves. The church is not a collection of people who have ideas about Christ. The church is not a collection of people who like to sing songs about Christ. The church is not a collection of people who look alike or who feel alike. It's not a collection of people who just like to talk about Christ. It is a collection of people who have received Christ. They believe that he died for them. They believe that he rose for them. And they also believe that they have a mandate to die to themselves. That is the disciple that he calls us for. Dying to self is part of being born again. 
The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. It simply means that person now understands that I no longer own my life. I no longer can control myself the way I choose to, the way I like to. We have a big problem, friends, and until we address it, until we say it as it is, we have gatherings of saints now who simply would be giving the, the, the milk of the word, the milk of the word, God bless you, this is the day, God bless you, God prophesy to your life, you will increase, you will move forward. You heard what the youth were saying earlier. We, 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 we have lost it. It has nothing to do with those things. The Bible says we should seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? All other things shall be added. Why are we seeking the things that should be added instead of seeking the kingdom? Why are we not a people who are consistently asking God, Lord, which area of my life again do I need to die? Which area of myself, of my old self, needs to die again on this day? Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. So every day you ask yourself. Some people have come up again with some erroneous message of grace that says you die once and that is it. That is a lie. That is a lie and the biggest lie that has ever been told. Because you don't die once. Only Christ dies, died once and gave us the resurrection power so that we can continue to die daily. You die first and then you die daily. This is why we say that there is an immediate sanctification that makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. But the work of holiness is not a work of dying once. It's a work of dying daily. This is why everyone must understand that the Christianity and the born again we have become, the Christianity we have received and the born again persons we have become at salvation needs us to continue to die to self. If we die to self, we will have better church fellowships. If we die to self, we will not have all the wranglings, wranglings and rancors that happens between brothers and sisters. If we die to self as Christians, we will have better marriages. If we die to self as Christians, we will have better relationship with our children and our parents and so on and so forth. The problem of humanity is self. Whether it is a self of those who have already been saved or self or selfishness of those who are yet to be saved. Why do we fight wars? Selfishness. Why do we commit adultery? Selfishness. Why do we commit murder? Selfishness. Just doing what you feel in yourself to do, whether it is right to do or not. We are in a generation where people can sell their parents and not even think twice about it. Happening in our times. We are in a generation where spouses can set each other up and kill each other now just to collect insurance money of £100,000. They are ready to sell people that they've been married to for 15 years and 20 years and more. We need to understand that the problem of self has to be dealt with. He said, go and make disciples. People that you will be teaching. Please put back for me Matthew 28, verse 20. Teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. The church is not an entertainment center. It's not a place we just come to make ourselves feel good. Thank God for the soothing power of the word of God. When we speak the truth, it comforts. It comes with comfort. It comes with restoration. It comes with assurance. But the reality is that the work of the church, let's read verse 20 again, teaching them to do what? Observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even when to the end of age. So whatever message we preach, 
whether it is a message of purity, power, purpose, prosperity, is all about teaching God's people. We don't preach prosperity in this place. I believe many of you would know. I say, give me, I give you gimmick, or give this one, God bless you, that one. We don't, anybody that does that here is completely offline. We preach prosperity in understanding that it is the grace of God that God gives to mankind and manifests in different ways so that we can be sufficient in all things at all times so that we will be able to abound unto every good work. The great work, the work of the Great Commission needs strong people. It needs blessed people. It needs people who have resources of every kind, spirit, soul, body. They need to have those resources and it is the message of prosperity that they are taught that helps them to walk in it. When we sit down and all we do, you see a believer, all they have done for five years, they've not won one soul to Christ, they've not led another person, they've not, they can't even pray by themselves, but they, can, they know all the prayer networks that exist on the internet. That is a shame to the body of Christ. A shame. You wake up in the morning and all you are looking for is people who will pray for you and you have done that. I don't mind if you are just saved. If you have just been born again, that's fine. You start from somewhere. But when are you going to start taking responsibility? When are you going to start taking responsibility to speak to others also and to give others the example you have laid, you have, you have followed and you have understood and gone through over the last few years? We need to raise disciples. Discipleship is not just about following by name. It's not just about identifying with a church. It's not just about identifying with a movement. Discipleship is about dying to self, understanding fully well that this is the way fruitfulness is expected to come. When we die to self, it doesn't mean we become inactive. It doesn't mean that we become insensible or we become stupid. It means none of those things. It means now we begin to walk rather than by the wisdom of man, we begin to walk by the wisdom of God. It simply means that we are now a people who are truly led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Some translations say they are the true sons of God. So it is all about understanding that you no longer have a life. This is why we find people go into marriage today. They do the simple basic thing about marriage, they don't even understand that when you enter a marriage, your life is no longer your own. Your life is the person, is now in the hand of the person you marry and vice versa. When you don't understand that, you will be saying, me, my, this is my money, this is my space, this is my car, this is my house, this is my, 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 my pen, my book, my, 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 just me. And then the other one will say, oh, is it you that know it? Me too. This is my space, this is my car, my, my, my. <laughs> All kinds of foolishness. When you die to self, you will no longer see something as your own, but ours. I just use marriage as an illustration, but for us to understand this very well, that dying to self is what it's all about. Galatians 5, verse 24. The Bible says, and those that are Christ. Let's read it together. Galatians 5, 24. I'm going very quickly because of time. And those, let's go now. Thank you. And those, verse, Galatians 5, 24. Thank you. And those... Galatians 5.24, you had it before, thank you. And those, oh God, <laughs> Galatians 5.24, let's appreciate those young men at the console. God bless you, God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen. Galatians 5.24, and those who are Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Are you Christ? I'm asking you, are you Christ? Are you Christ? If you are Christ, then you must be somebody who has done what? Crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. Verse 25. Let's read it together. Verse 25. Verse 25. 
He said, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. This is what makes Galatians 5.22 and 23, the, spirit, the, the fruit of the spirit that we talk about. This is what makes it work. We read Galatians 5, 22, 23, but, this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We even sing it and dance it. Joy, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. <laughs> Against there is no hope. <laughs> we wrap it. <laughs> we put it in wrap and dance to it. But where we need to go down, just one more verse to verse 24. Go back to verse 24. The Bible says in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Without a crucifixion of the flesh, you cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. No, it's impossible. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So on an Easter like this, we are supposed to ask ourselves, how do I die to self? How do I die to self? How do I continue to die to self? Friends, let us not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. God is not going to lower his standard for this generation or any generation whatsoever. We are the most rebellious of generations. I've lived in this, in this earth now by God's grace for five decades the world has never been this in my own little experience. This is the worst state of humanity. Everywhere, all over the world. This is the worst level you find people so self-centered, so brutal, so, so uncaring about others. We need to come out of that and be disciples indeed. The first thing we need to do is to take up our cross, Jesus said. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, thank you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Do what? Take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will do what? He will find it. Let's read verse 26 together. This is where we must understand that we can continue to try and acquire and acquire and acquire and say, Lord, when I've acquired enough, I'll come to you. Look at what he said. He said, let's go together. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Every one of us must understand that there is no profit in this life except the things that please God. If Christ places a demand on your life today, and I pray for long life for you, I pray that God will make you fulfill your days. I say, I pray God make you fulfill your days in the name of Jesus. But if God should look at you today and Christ comes and says, son, it's time to come home. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you in a position to confidently say that if he says today is my day, I am ready. That is a person who has died to self. And it's very simple. If you are still holding somebody in your heart and you haven't forgiven them, you won't be ready. You'll be saying, Lord, let, I still need some time to forgive this person, please. <laughs> I've been struggling for the past one year to forgive them. They borrowed 50 pounds from me and they never paid it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said, what will it profit a man? He gains the whole world, loses his own soul, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Every one of us must live ready. I was raised in a ministry where we are told to live ready. You come to church as a minister, living ready. You can be asked to preach. This one that we do structured thing now and we give people assignment and you have time to reflect on it. <laughs> we weren't trained like that. 
Honestly, we went in like that. You just come into church and they will say, Brother Dave, you are preaching today for 20 minutes. That's it. <laughs> no, go, go. Don't say, ah, what will I say? No, that is the way you know what you say. We were raised and trained like soldiers. And I want to believe God that in our own little way, despite the modern day challenges, of course, this was 20 something years ago, modern day challenges that we have with the way we work, our different shift patterns and things that probably didn't exist as such when I was in that situation. We are still using the word and the wisdom of God as much as we can. It is impossible to be a disciple without sacrificing one's life. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, he said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I need those scriptures changed quickly. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cannot. Not did he say maybe can be my disciple. Cannot. So when he says make disciples of all nations, he's saying make people who can bear their cross. Their cross. People who will be willing to understand the price that it takes. Galatians 2. Paul said it this way, verse 18. Galatians 2, 18. He said, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the Lord, die to the Lord that I may live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let this be your reflection this Easter, that the life that you now live, you live by faith. Crucify yourself with Christ consistently. It simply means you are willing not just to go when it is good. You are willing to go even when there is danger. I grew up in northern Nigeria the first you know, couple of decades of my life in different parts of the northern, of, of the northern part of Nigeria. This area is generally a, a, an Islamic stronghold. And um, we, I remember those days that we would go and paste posters for our pastors at the risk of our lives. We would go and paste posters for, for, for crusades and things at the risk of our lives. Because if they caught us, they would kill us. It's not, and we were 18, 19, 20-ish, 21. We were just under 23 years old that time. We're in that age range. So we would go in the night. We would go at about 12, <laughs> midnight. Somebody will carry the starch. Another person has the poster. And when the person who splashes the starch on the wall puts it on, that is the starch to make it glue to the wall, to on the notice board. When the person puts it on, he will run. It's now your duty, the man to come and paste the poster, if you like, waste time there. <laughs> Then the next man will come and roll it on and quickly put it on and we tap it, tap it, tap it and go to the next spot. Go to the next spot. So that before 9 a.m., because they will come and tear them down, so that before 9 a.m., as many that can see it, these were the days there is no internet, there is no mobile phone. So that you don't get confused. Don't say, why didn't you just use WhatsApp? <laughs> there is no WhatsApp, there is no Facebook, nothing we could use. Whatever you put on a poster is what people will read. That's what they will know. So we'll put it, we know it cannot survive more than 9 a.m., but we believe God that two people, three people, ten people, whatever, will see it before 9 a.m., before those radicals come and tear it down. At the risk of our lives, I was already a master's holder, a lecturer in a, in a polytechnic at that time. 
You need to understand. So when you see certain things, that's why when people look further down the line and we, you are just trying to do the things of God and you are trying to just be, you know, as, as, as accommodating as you can be. You don't know some people's history. You don't understand that there is a way that people have been sold out for many years to these things. My grandfather fought for land in Lagos, fought for land for church, not for himself. Fought for land, fought for land. They took him to court, my grandfather. My father did the same thing. I want us to all understand here that we can also leave a legacy. I say their stories a lot, but I want my sons, I want my daughters, I want the kingdom sons to also say my story one day. I pray that they will say your story as well. In the name of Jesus, a true disciple will have a story of impact in this kingdom. Somehow, somehow, he doesn't have to be on the pulpit like this, but he will have a witness of many people who will say, truly, that man was a son of God. Truly, that woman was a son of God. Paul said, I live by faith in the son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Three people came to Jesus in Luke chapter 9. One said, I want to follow you. Jesus said, you know, foxes have holes, birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay, he said. He said, oh yes, Lord, I want to follow you. He said, okay, let's go. He said, but let me go and bury my father first. Jesus said, you know what? You go, let the dead, what? Bury their dead. But you go and preach the kingdom. You go and preach the kingdom. Read it in Luke chapter 9. We don't have time now. Luke 9, verse 58, verse 59. And then the other one said, I want to, I've just married a wife. That is the most unserious among all of them. <laughs> You didn't know you married a wife before. <laughs> Bring your wife and follow. <laughs> That's what it is. You call your wife. You say, honey, we will do honeymoon. Now we have found Jesus Christ. We will do honeymoon as we are following him. That is a disciple. <laughs> he said, I want to go and attend to her. <laughs> On August 1, last year, I got a phone call at 4 a.m. I had just slept for about two hours. It was a Sunday morning. And I just slept for about two hours typical of most Sunday mornings. And when I saw that it was my brother-in-law, I knew something had happened. I mean, you just know it. I knew something had happened. And then I was told, my father of blessed memory has gone to be with the Lord. That it just happened overnight. And I said, well, glory to God. Uh, speak to the guys around. Let's take care of things and let's start to uh, make plans, whatever it is. You know, we just had those kind of quick talk. And then, God, I, I, I was now thinking to myself that what am I going to do? This is Sunday morning. Should I ring up somebody to say whatever? And then I, I, I remember clearly hearing God bought in the voice of my father who said to me, son, go preach. Son, go do what I've called you to do. And as I stood up from that bed, it, was like, it became like any other Sunday again. This is my father. If you know me very well, I was very close to him. I talk about him. Talked about him a lot, a lot. But as I stood from that place, all the energy, all the wisdom, I came and preached here. Only few people picked up when I referred to my father in a certain way that they have never heard before. And then when I told them after the service that he's going to be with the Lord in glory, they were shocked. They said, how do you find that energy to do that? It's not about, it's a, it is discipleship. Now, I'm not saying that if you lose a loved one, you don't mourn them or you have to be like that. That is me. And I'm not saying it's a general rule. So get that balance. But a disciple does not put himself first. He puts kingdom first. I say he puts kingdom first. I pray you be that disciple.
carry your cross and be a person of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Number two thing, which is the last thing I will say, is be a person of no reputation. Die to your reputation. Kill off your reputation. Jesus gave us the example. You see, making yourself of no reputation means we give ourselves the opportunity to be used by God. As long as you have something of a pride or ego in you, forget it. You can't be a disciple. Don't even try. Don't talk of ministry. (laughs) If you are not ready for people to walk on you and call you names, call you what you did not do, and do all kinds of things and, and treat you shabbily, if you are not ready for those things, you are not ready to be called a disciple. But always remember your master. They call him a demon. They didn't even give him a funky name. They called him Beelzebub. <laughs> Beelzebub. <laughs> you know? They called him all kinds of things, spat on him and did so many things and told him that if he was truly able to save himself, he should save himself. I mean, they taunted him. So every day you think somebody is taunting you for your faith or somebody is trying to marginalize you for your faith or they are trying to persecute you or trying to kind do some politics around you just because of your faith and for your stand. Remember what they did to your master. And trust him, trust him. Your master, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, he says he made himself of no reputation, talking about Jesus, took on the form of a burden servant and coming in the likeness of man. A whole God came in the likeness of you and I so that he can save you and I. Isn't God a good God? I say, isn't God a good God? Friends, you need to be asking yourself these questions and many more. To die to self, ask yourself, am I willing to follow Jesus even if it means losing some of my closest friends? Some of us will prefer to hold on to friends than to do the will of God and follow Christ. Let's not live like that. That's not a disciple. Am I willing to follow Jesus even if it means attention or if it means that I'm gaining alienation from my family? Some of us have been very fortunate to have been born into Christian families. Not everybody has. I know brothers and sisters who came out from very, very deep religious faiths that are not Christian. And they face persecution. Some of them are still alive today. A lot of them that I know, they are still alive today. A lot of them are pastors doing great work. And in many cases, have led many of those same family members to Christ. Am I willing to follow Jesus if it means I lose my reputation? If it means people call me freak, people call me whatever name they want to call me, fanatic, (laughs) a weirdo, whatever they want to call me, a nutter, as English people would say. Call me names because I declare my stance for Jesus and my love for Jesus in my life on my social media feeds and everything. Am I still willing to follow Jesus if they come to insult me? Am I still willing to follow Jesus if it means losing a job? A job. A job. Some of us are so careful about our jobs that we don't mind holding on to those jobs and letting go the things of the kingdom. Let's not live like that. I want you to know that God, the Bible says, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. I have never, anybody that searches me, if I'm looking for something, either in the business world or in the academic world that I practice, things that I do outside church life, they can easily find me and know that this is a churchman, this is a preacher. Bold statement is either we do it or we don't do it. 
If you find that I'm a Christian and that puts you off, you better be off. <laughs> you better stay off by the grace of God. Because what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? These days, people will search you. I know. They will search you. They will look for you on LinkedIn, look for you on Facebook, look for you on Twitter, look for you everywhere. And I'm aware of that. But you see, if you have to hide your faith because of what people will say when they see that you have a faith in Christ, you need to ask yourself, am I truly a disciple? Or am I just doing religion? If it means losing your life, if it means losing your life, are you still willing to follow? Are you still willing to be a true disciple? I know you came here today to be charged up with resurrection power, and that's exactly what I'm doing to you. When you live here with this word, something will jolt on your inside that will make you understand that you are more than those things the devil is trying to paint for you. Jesus said, why do we seek those things that your heavenly father knows that you need them? Don't be in the same frame of mind about things. God puts money in your hand. First, think kingdom. Think kingdom, then think people. Think kingdom, think people. That way, money will continue to come to your hand. But when it's about me first, me first, me first, what's in it for me? And you see, this human being, this human nature, you cannot satisfy it. Do you know that? You can never satisfy it. That is why... People who have flown first class all over the world, they have done every holiday you can think of. High class, first class. Now, you know their problem? How they can go with, uh, into space. <laughs> with Richard Branson and all those kind of people, Elon Musk, to buy a flight for 120,000 pounds and fly for four hours and you see space say, yeah. <laughs> if they go one, they come back. Somebody will say, let's try and reach where God is. That's the day. <laughs> All their rocket will explode. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us be people who are truly in self-denial. Mark chapter 4 verse 20 before we break bread today. He said, but these things, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 I don't want believers in this church who are running about looking for people to pray for them. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there are stages and phases. If you need somebody to agree with you, you need me to pray with you, you need other brothers here to pray with you, please feel free. I'm not in any way saying don't come and do that. But what we want to raise here are people who are strong. I say people who are strong. People who will know Jesus Christ for themselves. People who will identify with the resurrection power and declare it for themselves and be in a position to teach others, starting with their own children. Do you know that your children are your first church? They are your first church. The church is not their first church. They are your children, they are your first church. Whatever you train them, whatever you, however you speak to them at home, that is what they become. Church is just icing on the cake. Let's stand to our feet. <laughs>